In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel says, You cannot serve God in wealth, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, I just wanted to get up here and sing, na, 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 na. Don't worry, be happy. But I figured that probably wouldn't suffice for a sermon. And so I started thinking about, I wonder if how this gospel would hit me if I were in New Zealand in the town of Christ Church, having just experienced that earthquake. Or if I were somebody who was wondering where my next meal was coming from. Or how does it hit me as, as who I am? And I think, I don't like being told not to worry. I enjoy worrying. I have been taught by experts. And there's something about that that I kind of glom onto. As a matter of fact, at one Lent, I decided to work on my worrying, my anxiety, and I would only allow myself one worry a day. And it was a problem because if that worry got solved early in the day, I had nothing to worry about the rest of the day. And I would feel anxious about that. The problem with worry is it, it's anxiety, and anxiety is worry about the future. Things that we have no control over today. And so if you are a worrier, like, like I have been brought up to be a good worrier, you spend most of your time in the future. So therefore, you're not living in the present because you're always thinking about what's going to happen. What if this happens? And then you kind of follow that road down. Or what if this happens? And you follow that road down, and you just become in the future. And you totally miss what's going on around. Well, most of the worries are financial worries for a lot of people. And the gospel, in case we got caught up in the worry part, said you cannot serve God in wealth. But a lot of our worries are about finances and how do we maintain ourselves or how do we pay the bills or how do we pay the rent. I was in Chicago the last three days with my youngest son and I said, what's the biggest, hardest thing about moving out onto your own? What have you experienced that's been really the most difficult? Because paying rent, it's a big chunk of his, his monthly expenses. So we get caught up in that. We get caught up in our, our financial worries, and then we, we spend a lot of time working on that. And some people to the point where they lose track of everything else because they're so, so motivated to think about how they can gain the financial independence or the financial wealth. I met a man when I was chaplain at Strong who had spent his life really working hard to become financially independent and wealthy. And he had made it. He was CEO of a company. If Google had been around back then, I'm sure he would have had pages and pages of references. But he treated everyone at, like they were someone who might potentially betray him. And he had no relationships, even with his family. His wife was estranged. He hadn't spent any time with his children. They, they visited him, but you could tell there was no relationship there. Um, some of his work colleagues would come in, but just to get orders from him on what to do. 
The nurses knew who he was and what his position was out in the outside corporate world, and they were sort of afraid of him. So he, he was very lonely and isolated. And as the chaplain, I would go in and see him, and he was just not about talking about God or, or any of that because he was all about his own identity, his own power, his own wealth, and how he could continue to maintain that while he was really ill. So in a sense, he had to let go of some of this, which he was having a lot of difficulty. And in, in his illness, he was just had totally isolated himself. So there was this young boy who was in the hospital, he used to pace the corridors with his parents. I wasn't sure what his diagnosis was, but he would be walking through the hospital all the time. Um, and he would walk by this man's room and he would see the man looking very lonely. And one day he told his mother, he's about seven years old, he says, that guy needs a friend. And he walked into this man's room and he said, you look like you need a friend. And he sat down, he goes, how about if I sit with you for a few minutes? And the man was shocked. And of course, this boy had no idea who this guy was, this powerful man with all of his wealth and position and status. And so he sat and talked to the man for a while. Next day, he brought him up a CD player. Now I'm dating myself, you know, when I did this chaplaincy, right? No, no iPods. So he brings up this CD player, and the man had never even seen this portable CD player, and he sat, and the two of them had their heads together, and he showed him how to put on the headphones and how to operate it and skip songs, and, and pretty soon he had developed a relationship with this person. And all of a sudden, transformation began to happen, that this man all of a sudden began to realize what was missing in his life. And it wasn't what he had worried about for years and years and years. It wasn't about the power. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the status. It wasn't about the position. What he realized he was missing was relationships with anybody. So he developed quite a friendship with this young man. And I think as, as time went on, they, they became friendly, and I think the man ended up helping him with some of his resources so that he could get the treatment that he needed. And what the man began to realize is that he, he needed forgiveness because he wasn't serving God. He was serving wealth. And his whole anxiety and worry had been caught up in that for him. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I was sitting at the Bishop's Bible study last week, and Lance Robbins, who's the priest at Good Shepherd in Webster, we were talking about the scripture, and he said, well, you know, it's been tough. I've been a priest my entire uh, working life, and, you know, you don't make much money in the ministry, and he's had to struggle, and now he has a daughter in college. And he says, every year they send me this financial aid application. And he said, you, you look at the application, and there's this part that says net worth. And he said, and I send it back every year, and under the part that says net worth, I put, I am a child of God. That's my net worth. <laughs> it is funny. Yes, go ahead. I mean, he says, I'm hoping that someone out in that college in Ohio in admissions gets it. That net worth is not a number. It's not about money. That he truly believes his net worth is the fact that he's a child of God. And that when we know that we're a child of God, our worries get less, 
We're never not going to have any worries. Thank God, or I'd be really lost. <laughs> but, they, but they can become less, and they can become different. And their transformation can happen. Because if we look at the rest of the scripture, God says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all shall be given unto you. So if our net worth is the fact that we are all children of God, whether we know it or not, and for those of us who do know it, which is all of us here, we're here because we know we're children of God. So for us, we have to seek first the kingdom of God. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, then we can help those who are worried about their next meal. Who are worried about where to find decent clothing. I got a call from Charlie Bollinger, the son of the first priest here at St. Peter's. He called me this uh, two days ago because he's worn through his pants. He wears an odd size. He only walks from Seneca Towers to a very limited amount of stores, and he can't find any pants in his size where he can walk. And he said, he said, I'll pay you for it. Now, the man has not a lot of money, but he offered to pay me, but he asked me, can you find me some pants? And he gave me his size. So he doesn't have to worry about being clothed because he knows that the kingdom of God is available to him to help him with that. So I'll find him his pants and bring him some pants. So for those of us who are children of God, if we know that we're children of God and we seek first the kingdom of God, then you're right. Everything will be okay, because in God's economy, there's enough for everyone. So we have to understand that we're part of that kingdom of God and that we can make that happen. We're doing that with our empty, our full bellies ministry for those empty bellies that are out there. We're doing that with the Sunday school, helping the kids understand that there are families that, that need help with food. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, it shall be given to all of us. So the last part of the gospel that we heard today I think is really important. It says, and it's important, I'll quote it correctly. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is probably the best advice we can get for those of us who are worriers, is that we should only really worry about what we can affect today. So worry is not bad if we use it to motivate ourselves to do what we can do today that will affect tomorrow. So if we can do something for ourselves today, if we can make good choices today about maybe what we eat or what we do with our money or whatever choice we're making today, then that's what we need to worry about and make a decision about today. But if we start thinking about what am I going to do two months from now, that's not helpful. That's borrowing trouble. So remember, just make the decision today for what can and will affect the future tomorrow. But don't worry about tomorrow, because then you'll miss today. 